I love Jesus, yes I do. I love Jesus, how about you? I love Jesus, yes I do. I love Jesus, how about you? Okay, now, now let's catch on to this older folk. Okay? I think they're the only ones that caught it here. I, now you're just repeating after me. I love Jesus, yes I do. I love Jesus, how about you? I love Jesus, yes I do, I love Jesus, how about you? It's getting better, but I, I think we can make this place rattle a little bit. Come on, use your outside voices in here, okay? One more time, we, we, need, to, we need to make the kids know that we know how to be kids too, alright? One more time. I love Jesus, yes I do, I love Jesus, how about you? Ain't no party like a holy this party, cause I'm this party, don't stop. <laughs> so last night I was up and uh, was watching uh, the fight. So I um, was really rooting for Manny. Uh, how many remember Paul Yadao? He was here from the Philippines. Yeah. So Manny, um, I was texting Lave this morning, and Manny actually spoke in one of the Destiny churches, one of Paul's churches, just two weeks ago. And uh, he spoke a sermon there, and, and one of the pastors of that church coaches Manny's son in boxing. So I was really rooting for Manny, knew there was some connection there, um, but, but John's boy Mayweather, he just, he pulled it out. He, he deserved the win. Um, I will say the closest to the knockout was Manny. There was one time he stunned Mayweather, uh, but anyway, they said this could have been the most watched event of all time, ever. How many watched it in here? <laughs> I think they're lying there. So, uh, maybe it was the most watched pay-per-view HBO Showtime event ever. Um, I know minimum, minimum those guys were going to split $200 million. Minimum. Minimum. They said the winner may get $500 million. So it all depends on the pay-per-view for uh, subscriptions. So uh, I was outside in the narthex before coming into worship talking to Robbie. And we're talking about fighting. I was talking about the fight. And then I just, I'm in the mood to fight today. Yeah. Are you guys ready? Yeah. So we used, to, we used to have an MMA mixed martial arts group in the church, and we used to meet every Saturday morning. And uh, we used to roll around and grapple. We even had a tournament with Bethel Worship Center in Marion. And, uh, and, and, and I went all three rounds, but I lost on decision. It's okay. It's okay. I'm a son, right? But, uh, but anyway, it was a good time. Uh, late fight. I went to Aaron's house. He had some of his brothers and twins over. And uh, so it was awesome. And I uh, got to see that. And, but I feel excited today. Um, Officiated a wedding yesterday. It was just beautiful. Burton and Lisa's daughter Grace got married, and uh, they probably had a really late night clean up, and who knows what, where they're at. But uh, but just such a fun fun time there, and uh, get to speak to this amazing family today. Yeah, get to do life with you, and then tonight I'll be speaking at Dayton Vineyard, so I'm excited about that. So busy weekend for a guy that's been losing his voice all week. But uh, all of a sudden I get up to speak, and God restores it, so he'll do the same tonight. Um, but anyway, we're, we have a change of plans. Um, those of you, we announced last week that I'd be doing Sonship last week, and then Nicole would be speaking on family today. Uh, psych, I'm doing week two on Sonship, and she's going to do family next week on Mother's Day. So we're excited for that. Uh, but I just want to carry on with my heart with Sonship and just carry on this week two. It was so good, so much feedback, and had so many questions about how do you be a son? What's, what's that look like? How do you even, what is Sonship? So we're just going to dive into that a little bit closer today, and we're going to focus on the prodigal brother. So last week we focused, focused on the prodigal son. So 
So if you missed last week's message, it's on video. We have a we have a on our website. Uh, we'll we'll have it loaded. We'll have the link on our website hopefully tomorrow, but it's already on our Vimeo channel. So if you go to our Facebook page and like it, you can connect to our Vimeo channel or just type in Upper Room Tip City on Vimeo and you will find it. But uh, anyway, it's, it's last week's message. How many excited to go for another round of that? Okay. All right. Um, I know I don't wear a suit to preach and I know I'm in jeans today, but I've got to lose the sweater. So, so say bless you, Aaron. It's okay. And we may have to turn on the air conditioning here in a little bit. Everybody else is saying, no, no, it gets cold in here. Hey, um, so we're just going to continue this on family. How many know that God is a God of family? God is family. He invented family and, uh, and family is dear to his heart. In the beginning was the Father, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It actually said before the creation of the earth, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the earth. So in the beginning, God had family. In the beginning, before anything was created, there was family. There was a Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they're pointing at each other, elevating each other, lifting each other up, and adding value and increasing each other's stuff. So not one was higher than the other, right? How many believe that? That they're all three equal and the same? And, uh, and He's a good God. How many believe He is a good God? He is so good. He, he, I've just been overwhelmed this week and... Man, I've been just in my word and just, I'll be on the treadmill, I'm listening to it, I'm reading it, I'm falling asleep to it every night, and I'm just, I'm just diving in. And how many are that excited? You just, yeah. Nicole, she goes to bed a little bit earlier than me, or at least, we usually go to bed at the same time, but she, she hits her pillow and she's like, <coughs> no, she doesn't snore, I don't want to embarrass her. But she, she hits the pillow, sometimes I count it, like I just play this game and I'll count. And sometimes I don't even get to 10 and she's asleep. It's the most amazing thing. I'm like, how do you do that? You know, I'm sitting here thinking, how do I change the world? How do I, how do I change the region? How do I change a city? And you know, now I'm up for another two hours just like, God, you're so good. I turn my affection to you. And she's like. So at one time this week, she woke up. She's like, what is that? I had Song of Solomon playing on our Bible app. And it was like, the gazelles will run. And she's like, what are you playing? It's like, it's Song of Solomon, baby. Just go back to sleep. God is romancing me. So uh, it's just fun. But uh, anyway, I want to just talk about family for a brief second. Just a little bit of a recap last week and then go right into what this week is. And, uh, and I believe that you're going to be fed. Uh, I believe it's something to lean into. You know, I don't know all the answers to sonship. I just know sonship is the answer to the kingdom. For God so loved the world, He sent His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Sonship's the key. Sonship's the answer. So this week, I just been studying every person in the Bible and what their role was as a son. And, uh, and I'll just review a little bit of that. I, I pulled up to my driveway at work in uh, my work car, and I just sat there, and I think I just had lunch with somebody, and within three minutes, I had an entire book outline, and I'm just typing out on Evernote, um, just, just in three minutes, just a whole outline on sonship. And uh, I think it's going to be amazing. Um, next week, we'll probably bring some books, or in a couple of weeks, Nicole and I actually had the opportunity to edit and be part of um, helping Lave write a book called Transformed by Love. How many have seen that book coming out? Transformed by Love, so we were part of that manuscript, part of the editing process, and, and some of the activation things at the end of each chapter. It's an amazing book. Uh, we don't have copies with us today, but, um, but anyway, the, our life group this week, they laughed at me. 
So I talked about how I'm good at starting stuff, I'm good at casting vision, I'm good at like implementing things, but I'm horrible to follow through. So like for instance, Debt Free and 33 campaign, we're about to relaunch that because we launched it, had a lot of momentum, it was going good, but there's probably half of you in here that have no idea what the Debt Free and 33 is. Because I, I like have these bright ideas, I have this vision, and then whoo! So Tian, I think she's going to be a part of helping us relaunch that. Uh, but anyway, so I brought out my book bag, and I talked about how I just I like to read books. But the first book I ever read was in high school, and um, and that was the only book I had read until I read The Remnant. So I've read like you know since then I've read a bunch, but for until I was about 30 years old, I had only read two books in my life. All right. So I'm just, I'm bad at it. But now, I, I love to read so much, and I love getting fed. First of all, the number one book is the Bible. How many believe that? That's the greatest book of all time, greatest seller of all time, and it's even the most stolen book of all time. Did you know that statistic? Yeah. Most translated and most stolen book ever in history. So people need that book. They got to steal it, right? That's okay. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us. So, um, so anyway... I bring out my book bag and I have this stack of books because I was joking around how I'll start a lot of books and I'll start and I'll read a few chapters and I'll start another one, start a few chapters and then I keep them all with me. So I brought out this, this stack of books that I'm currently reading at the same time right now. And there's like 10 of them. And I had to switch from my little satchel because I usually keep like two or three in there to a book bag because I'm reading so many books at once right now and but I'm not finishing any of them. So I need to work on this. I need to like finish one and then start another, but I'm just getting so much. So anyways, and then we jump around because it's the same way I'm writing books. So I talk about getting this outline for Sonship, but I have like, I have like six, like at least eight books I'm working on right now writing. And I'm like, I can't finish any of them. I've got these great outlines and I'll have these stories and I'll keep adding these notes and keep adding these thoughts to them. But I told Nicole, I was like, Friday, this Friday, I'm going somewhere and I'm just going to kick out a book. And uh, so pray for me on that, would you? That's just, I, I need to write some books. I got a lot of stuff that, that need to be out. And, um, so working on some stuff with Lave and But this Sonship one, man, it hit me. It just, the, the downloads that God's given me these last, this last month has been crazy. But family, let's talk about family for a second. Heaven's government is family. Because God's in the family business. So God's highest purpose for the cross wasn't merely to forgive us of sin and, and so that we can, uh, by forgiving us, we just happen to get into heaven. We were purchased by Christ's blood so he can invite us back into an intimate family and relationship with the Father. Angie had, had texted Nicole and I this week saying, talking about a revelation she had about, you know, it says that the only way to the Father is through Jesus. How many believe that? We've always looked at that as a heaven ticket. The only way to the Father, the only way to heaven, is how we interpret that, is Jesus. But really, he's inviting you to a relationship. So the only way back to the Father is Jesus. He sent his own son to the earth so we could be joined back with him. Because, so, so here, let's just go back to Eden for a minute. He's so concerned about relationship and so concerned about covenant with us and so concerned about us as children that he had a plan. So in the garden, there was a fall. Okay, so they ate from a tree and then all of a sudden they had to keep them from the garden. How many, how many know that story? We look at that and we've looked at that so many times as punishment. But here's the reality. The reality is there was another tree in the garden. And if they had eaten from that, it was eternal separation from the father. 
So God loved them so much and he wants to be with his children so much and he wants covenant relationships so much that he devised a plan to keep them from the garden because if they happen to eat from that other tree, now all of a sudden there's eternal separation. He loves family and loves us so much, he doesn't want that. So what he does is, it was not punishment, it was for protection. So then all of a sudden he sends his son to the earth to connect the family back to the father. So he, he's, he's sold out for family, okay? So when God invites us into a relationship with him, it's not just a salvation plan. It's an abundant life living in the royal abundance. Amen. The other thing about family is God is a father who wants to connect to his sons and daughters and will not give up until he does. He will never give up on you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will never quit loving you and nothing can separate you from that love. He loves you so much. He loves family. People aren't looking for a program. See, see, it says that the earth is moaning and groaning. We talked about that last week. And the fathers, the sons and the daughters have to manifest. Okay? Because here's, here's what's going on. People aren't looking just for a program or another good feeling church. They're looking for a real people of God who are manifesting Christ in them, the hope of glory. They need a relationship with God. They need authenticity. They want the real deal. How many believe that? The people around you, they're crying out. And I love what Todd White said. It might sound like beep, beep, beep. Ah. It might look like that, but that's the moaning and groaning for the sons and daughters. That's the moaning and groaning. The moaning and groaning may not sound good. It may, not, it may, may be sounding like you're getting made fun of. It may be sound like, get out of my face. Yeah. But the earth is moaning and groaning and it wants the sons to manifest. So it's about being a son before we can be a father. Our doing comes from our being. We can't do unless we're being. Be still and know that I'm God. Jesus, he's, he's saying, follow me. His mandate was really simple. He's a great leader. He said, follow me. And last week we talked about that does come with a cost. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is not just a freebie, right? A lot of people look at the adulterous woman and he, when he said, you know, go sin no more. That wasn't just a freebie, get out of jail free card. Listen, when the Messiah's looking at you and he's saying, hey, never do that again. Go sin no more. Don't ever let it happen again. I love you. He's being a father. He's saying, don't do that again, but I love you. You're forgiven. So anyway, we're going to continue on this week with, and we're going to just start in Galatians 4. We're going to start in Galatians 4. I'm going to be reading from the NLT, just so the media guys know. So I'm going to be Galatians 4, Romans 8, and Luke 15. Those three things. So you can kind of get there here in a minute. But Galatians 4, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and it, uh, it goes like this. Galatians 4, we're going to start in verse 4. And we're just going to move right along. Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah. Galatians 4, we're going to go 4 through 7. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Amen. How many have heard about the spirit of adoption? Amen. How many have heard of that? Yeah. yeah. So he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. The translation of today's language is Daddy. Amen. It's an informal term of endearment. Daddy. How many, how many have kids in here? How many have kids? When they look up to you and they're like, Daddy! When I walk in the door from work every day, my kids, they almost knock me over. They're so excited to see me. And they're like, Daddy's home! 
And I love that. I love that there is something special about hearing that. Mommy! Right? There's something special like, Daddy, Mommy! They're being children. So it says that we can actually cry out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's very own child. And since you are His child, God has made you an heir. His inheritance is yours. Last week I said, how do you, how do you increase your inheritance? Make your father as famous and rich as possible. How do you get a bigger inheritance? Make him rich. Make him famous. When his stock increases, my stock increases. When my stock increases, his stock increases. When your stock increases, mine does. It's like the church paradigm. When another church is growing in the community, all of a sudden the kingdom is growing. We're not in competition. I have very good friends that are pastors. I have one, of my, one of my greatest ministry friends is Pat Murray from Living Word. When, when, now so, so what's happening is, as their stock increases, our stock's increasing. Yeah. As Upper Room stock increasing, so are the other kingdom churches are increasing. Because it's kingdom, we're not in competition. Yeah. We're not trying to get church people into this building. We're trying to get the unchurched in yeah. here. Yeah. Amen. Amen. We're not in the business to steal other church people. Hopefully they're getting fed or sold out, and they're not going to church to get something. They're going to church to be something. Yeah. If we're coming, I said this last week, if we're coming to church to get something, we're going to leave offended. Yeah. If we're coming to church because we're going to get something and it's all about me and it's me, 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 all of a sudden we're going to just move to the next church because we didn't get what we wanted. Yeah. But when we're coming to be something, all of a sudden God manifests and now we are something. Yeah. When we're coming to be, we are yeah. and we become and we do, right? So just, just carrying on here. So, so how do you be a son? And, and just, just what I've been studying this week, and I'm just going to cover this briefly, and we might press into this later. How do you be a son? Last week I talked about the pursuit of Elisha. So today, I, I just was thinking, I was like, what, what did they all have in common? So I went through, and I, I went through Joshua, and I went through David, and I went through Elisha, and I went through Ruth, and, and I went through Esther, and I went through all these, these amazing sons and daughters in the Bible, and I'm like, what did they have in common? First off, they had patience. They had pursuit and they had persistence. Those three things. So no matter what it looked like with Elisha, he still, he was patient. And so when the, when the job offers and the things came along, he said, no, I'm here for the double portion. I'm pressing in. Even when Elijah said, hey, get away from me, boy. You're, honestly, he was saying, you're annoying. You're kind of creeping me out. And then finally he says, what do you even want? He's like, I want the double portion. So he was, he was patient, but then he was persistent. And he never gave up. And then his pursuit never wavered. David's pursuit never wavered. See, he was crowned king as a son, as a little boy. Matter of fact, they're at the dinner table and they said, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. We're at Jesse's house. There's another son. Where is he? Where's your brother? Oh, he's just a run. He's just mending the sheep. He's a nobody. No, 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 no. God's actually telling me that he's a somebody. How many sometimes you feel like a nobody? You are completely qualified for God's somebody. He's calling the youngest. He's calling the, mo the least qualified to be the most qualified. So you go through Joseph. And Joseph was, had, this, had the coat of many colors put on as a little boy. And Joseph, you know, all of a sudden his own brothers sell him to slavery because of what? Jealousy. We're going to get into the prodigal brother here in just a minute. So suddenly jealousy takes seed in their hearts. And I'm just saying this. What you behold, you become. We'll get to yeah. that. Yeah. So all of a sudden they're selling him and he ends up in a pit. He ends up, you know, basically to die. Somebody 
finds him, they sell him to slavery, right? So then all of a sudden he goes and he pursues and he's just being a son. He's just being a son. He's, he's living in his inheritance and he ends up in the palace. Then all of a sudden false accusations come. Again, jealousy, strife, envy, unforgiveness. There's bitterness there. Come on, when that festers, things happen. So then he ends up in prison. Then he gets forgot about. The guy that promised to tell him about the dreams, he forgets about it. But then all of a sudden, he's back in the palace. And when the famine came, now all of a sudden, he's living in his inheritance. It's all his. The kingdom's his. He's Joseph. He's, he has an influence to Pharaoh. He's running the kingdom. But what was it? It was persistence. It was pursuit. He never gave up. Going on, just a few others. So we had Isaac. Isaac, son of Abraham. So Abraham was told to, to sacrifice his son. Basically, this was a level of obedience. So, so as sonship, Isaac had obedience. So all of a sudden, you know, by the way, Isaac was a teenage boy. And Abraham was a very old man. In a second, Isaac could have outran Abraham. You know, here's Abraham. Son, we're taking you up to the mountain. What are we doing, Dad? It's, it's okay. But Dad, what are, what are we doing? Oh, the lamb has to be sacrificed. What are we doing, Dad? Dad, Dad, Dad. He knew his, his position as sonship. He knew what was going on. At any minute, he could have ran. But what did he do? He laid on the altar. He said, if it be. It's essentially what he's saying. Amen. He had a level of obedience as a son. Going on. Then Ruth, with her loyalty. Ruth said, you know what? Naomi, I'm going to stay with you no matter what. If something better comes along, it doesn't matter. I don't, I'm not returning home. I'm not going back to my family. You are my family. God placed us together. Now, these are character things that, that I just I value in each one of these as sons and daughters. I totally value them. The persistence, the patience, the pursuit. But I value the obedience. I value the loyalty. I value the character. And then Jesus. Jesus, he comes to earth as a son. And he knows his position as son. He grows up as a little boy. And, and, and he still even became a master carpenter. He had a trade, right? Because he's just a little boy in Joseph's home. He's a little boy. But he knew his identity. He knew who he was because he knew whose he was. He knew his father. And he said, I'm only about my father's business. So Jesus' mandate on earth was simple. He said, follow me. And then all of a sudden, though, he's saying, I only do what I see my father doing. So what should we be doing? We should only be doing what we see our Father doing. Paul said, Paul said follow me as I follow Christ. So these things are happening, and, and it's just about being a son. So how do we be a son? We just lean in to be little boys and little girls with a great big daddy. We be. We be. Listen, there's on a child. My kids are all under eight. Obviously, when you get into school and you get into exams and you get into college and you get into a job and you get into bills yeah more pressure comes but for my eight-year-olds and down they have no pressure before church you know we, we pray together as a family before every service and we're in there and i'm, I'm dancing and i'm i'm twirling them in, our, in my office just a little while ago and i'm dipping them and then olivia i lift her in the air and i'm twirling her right she is she's like my daddy she has no care right i see judah come up here judah was dancing like a madman at the wedding last night he was the focus of attention, okay? He's like... It was amazing. So when we started playing that song again, I was like, Judah, come on. 
I was like, dance like you danced in the wedding last night. Because this is a celebration and we're his bride. He's our bridegroom. It's the greatest celebration of all time. I love an earthly wedding, but we're coming into a heavenly wedding here. So Judah's up here dancing and, and I see Michael. Michael catches on. He's like, and Michael's being a little boy with Judah being a little boy. So how do you be a son? Take off the pressure and just be. Be still and know he's a good dad. Listen, there's hardships, there's feelings that come, there's these, there's these things that come. I'm not, I shared my story last week. And, and those of you who heard it, if you didn't, you need to listen to it. Listen, I've not lived a, a beautiful life with no mistakes and no bad choices, trust me. I shared that just three years ago, I was suicidal, I had a gun on the bed, ready to take my life. Eight years ago, I was an atheist. I've not lived this amazing, pure life my whole life. And I grew up as a pastor's kid. Now you're like, yeah, that explains it. <laughs> grew up in an amazing home. I grew up with great family, great mom and a great dad. I did. Great grandparents, a great heritage. I grew up in a great place. But still, there was something that came. So listen, I want to go to this verse right now. Romans 8. Then I'm going to get to the meat of the message. That was a long introduction. We're almost finished with the introduction, okay? And I think I can keep the message to like an hour after this. Is that, is that okay? okay. Alright, Romans 8, 12. I'm going to go 12 through, I believe, 17. Now here, here's what's crazy. Paul wrote Galatians, Paul wrote Romans. I did a little research. So Romans was actually written after Galatians. A little weird because it's before it in the Bible. But it was actually written after in between one and ten years later. So this was not just a fad or a trend that, that Paul was on. So he wrote a letter to another church between one and ten years later saying the same thing. So it says this in verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Say, say that. Say, I'm not bound to sin. I'm not bound to be a slave. Say, I'm not bound to fear. Jesus paid the price so you don't have to be bound to that. Jesus paid the price for you to be free and you to walk as sons and daughters. So, so anyway, it says, I have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Now here we go, 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His very own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. Everybody say, Daddy! Daddy! For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share His glory, one must also share His suffering. How many believe in carrying your cross? When the times aren't so nice, when the times aren't going so sweet, guess what? God gives us a cross to carry, and His grace is sufficient for all needs. Come on, how many believe that? When you're an heir to the Father, everything in heaven is yours. Amen. There's nothing that He withholds for those who seek Him. So now, all of a sudden, if there's not disease in heaven, that doesn't belong to me. That's 
If there's not illness in heaven, if there's not depression in heaven, if there's not bankruptcy in heaven, if there's not these things, if there's not divorce, if there's not these woes, if there's not these relational issues, if there's not gossip in heaven, if there's not this, then guess what? Yeah, that doesn't belong to me. I'm a child. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. That doesn't belong to me. I'm an heir to the throne, right? So I just want to just share for a second my story on that. So, so the last few years ago, I got the information of, of sonship and what that looked like. And a couple of years ago, then I got, I got the revelation of sonship. But about three weeks ago, I got the transformation of sonship. This is something that's hit me in the last month that's been out of this world and I can't explain it, but I've received it in the spirit. And I hope the information not be the greatest in the last week or two. Last week, I pretty much got up here, snotted, slobbered, and cried for the first five minutes. Okay? But I believe something's being received in the spirit. You don't have to get it up here. You have to get it here. When it gets up here, it will filter to here. And then we'll be renewed by the transforming of our what? Mind. We by renewed by the transforming of our mind. Listen, get it here, it'll get here. Get it here, it may not always get here. So first I had the information, then I had the revelation. We even built the building and, and named the bathroom sons and daughters. We knew the identity of sonship. We knew what it was to be a child of God. We knew it, but I wasn't walking in. Maybe some of you were, but I wasn't. All of a sudden I received a spirit of adoption the last couple weeks that's been a greater level. I come in here in the colon. She's like, I was like, how is it today? I'm in my office. I'm just getting blasted. I come out. I'm talking to Robbie about fighting. And, you know, I'm, like, I'm excited. And then we start talking. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a son. Yes. Hallelujah. That thought just hits me. And all of a sudden, I melt because I'm a son. I'm a son. Nothing else matters. I'm not trying to be an apostle, a pastor, a prophet. I'm not trying to be anything. I'm not trying to do anything. I just want to be a little boy. I just want to be a son. Listen, all of a sudden the pressure gets thrown out. The jealousy gets thrown out. Why? Because I know who I am. Because I know whose I am. And I belong in my father's house. Okay, so, so keep that verse in mind. We're going to go to Luke 15. You do not have to live by the sinful nature. If you live by the sinful nature, you die. But if you live by the spirit, you live. It's like I'm living for the first time. I'm finally living for the first time. He makes me come alive. So I had a sozo schedule with Josh just a couple, a few weeks ago. I scheduled a sozo with Josh. If you don't know what sozo is, just get on our website, look it up. It means, it's the Greek word used, I think, almost 200 times in the New Testament, meaning saved, healed, delivered. So there's a ministry that's leading you to saved, healed, delivered through God. It's not the people leading you there. God's leading you right to himself. So anyway... I had this scheduled, and, and Wednesday at our home group, he's like, hey, do you still want that sozo? It's like, yeah, I, I want to still talk to you, but I don't think, because I had, I had some hurt and some stuff going on. I was like, and first off, I was, I was like, man, through some hurt and some bitterness and just through some things, how many know that I'm not exempt from that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a person. Yeah. I'm a man. I'm, I'm, I get hurt, you know? So, so I scheduled this, but then I was like, I really just want to know the direction I'm going is out of wisdom and experience. And not hurt and bitterness. Because we're redefining what family looks like. We're redefining in my home the boundaries and, and, and who we allow in our inner circle. I'm just, I'm just being real with you. Because, you know, six months ago, a year ago, there was no boundaries. Anybody could come in our home. Anybody could live in our home. Anybody could, you know, they had full access to me, my kids, my wife. 
And this is nothing against you. This is only for us. So I'm like, well, I want to make sure I'm doing this out of experience and wisdom and that it's healthy. And this is what God wants, this boundary, so that we can protect our marriage. We can protect our covenant with our children. And we can, you know, the closest disciples to me, no offense, are my own kids. The closest disciples, the closest children of God that I'll ever raise are my four daughters. That's right. That's right. I love you all, but you need to think in the same thing that really, you know, I love what Todd White, he told me, I mean, like the first three seconds in the car, he's like, Aaron, there's no plan B. There's plan A only. There's not a plan B. He's like, this thing about God, family, church, he's like, it's God, God, God. I'm like, whoa, this dude's intense. <laughs> Taking me to the hotel? <laughs> so, so, but in that, are, there are boundaries. And we always just say, you know, our first ministry is my family. And I still believe in that. I believe my first ministry is, is myself with my father. Then my wife, then my kids. But we just kind of just bounced it all out. Said, no, it's, it's all family. It's all the same. So then, you know, we, I get to this revelation. I get to this change. And, and I get in there just talking with Josh. I was like, yeah, I, I have no offense. I said, it's impossible. I said, I'm not hurt. I'm not upset. I'm not. I said, it's all gone. He's like, yeah, I thought that was the case. He could just see it. Like, like usually, okay, how many just deal with like something bad happens? You're like, oh, am I the only one that ever gets that way? <laughs> so we're mulching this week. And, uh, and I'm, I'm going to make this quick. We're mulching this week. And you know how wheelbarrows are, right? So I had a full wheelbarrow of mulch. It was the last wheelbarrow. So it was like heaping because, you know, I didn't want to make two trips. I just wanted to make one, okay? So it's like this heaping mound of mulch on this one wheelbarrow, the last one. And then Nicole's like, hey, I could use just a little handful right there. Okay. <sighs> the wheelbarrow dumped in my pristine grass. The whole wheelbarrow. And I was like, what just happened? And I'm laughing about it. And Chloe, she was supposed to be helping me hold the wheelbarrow, right? On the hill. And I was like, Chloe, where were you, baby? She's like, Dad, you didn't ask me. Uh, you know, we just started laughing about it. Listen, there's something new that's happened that I'm a son. The wheelbarrow of mulch in my grass doesn't matter. Because my father, he loves me. He lives inside of me. And he loves you. I love you. All right, Luke, Luke 15. Let's go there. I'm going to finish this. How many are having a good time in church today? Yeah. Good, it should be. Alright, so Luke 15, we, we went there last week and we focused on the son, the prodigal son. Now we're going to focus on the big brother. Okay? I found some interesting things in here. I was talking to Josh and he's like, you know, when the son wanted his inheritance, literally what he was saying was, drop dead, dad. Because you only get an inheritance when your father passes away. So when he's saying, I want my inheritance, he says, I don't care about sonship. Drop dead, dad. I want it now. I found something interesting, though. So, verse 11, Luke 15, starting at 11. Jesus is sharing his parable. And he said, a man had two sons. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. I was reading in the New King James Version. And it said he divided his wealth to the two sons. Mm -hmm. now, now, here's what's interesting. In, in the Jewish law at that time, the eldest son got two-thirds 
And the youngest son got one third. Just how it was. In this, when he divided it. So that's what's interesting. We thought that only the son, the younger son, took his inheritance. And how many were like me? You just pictured 50-50. Yeah. He actually only got a third. So the eldest son, but it said it was divided to the sons. Mm -hmm. That leads me to believe, and I'm not saying this is truth. I'd have to do a word study on it. It leads me to believe that the eldest son actually got his inheritance too. It yeah. said he divided it and gave it to the sons. So I'm led to believe that, that it wasn't just the youngest son taking his inheritance too early. The eldest son, even if he didn't take it, it was set aside and it was stored for him. And it was actually two-thirds of the inheritance. Let's carry on here. Going to verse 25. I'm going to get back to that. Verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Step one of the prodigal brother. First off, he received a greater inheritance than the younger son, and he was in the house. Yep. Point two is, he asked the servant. He didn't even go directly to the father. Yep. Yep. How many know that doesn't work for you? Come on. Come on. The veil was torn, mm. but I have a full access pass to my father. Yeah. Right. Yep. We used to have to go to the high priest or, or some religions believe you go to Mary or, or whatever else. Mm -hmm. You go through a pope. Listen, we don't, we don't believe that. Nothing against anybody else. But I read my Bible and it said the veil was torn in two. That I no longer have to go to the high priest on the day of atonement. But I have a full access pass to my father. Amen. But yet, this son who's in the house, who's there, who didn't live it on riotous living or prodigal living like this version says. He was in the house. He's got two-thirds of the inheritance. But yet, he doesn't even go directly to his father. He speaks to a servant. Yeah, come on. How many know that discord and gossip will eat you alive and kill you? You see a party going on and you're so bitter and you're so envious and you're so angry. You won't even go to the father. You won't even go to the person that created this. You won't even go into the house because you're so full of anger. And you sit there and you sit there in misery. And what do we say sin leads to? Death. All of a sudden, the sting of unforgiveness bites you, and you're sitting there with poison in you, and then it just festers and gets worse and worse and worse. But guess what? It's amazing that just a few chapters before, the prodigal son is coming with repentance. Yeah. And he's coming saying, Father, he had this revelation in the Hulk pen. He said, he said while he was in the Hulk pen, he came to himself. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, the spirit of adoption hit him. He thought of the father. He goes, he comes to the father, and the father came leaping out, meeting him right where he was. He wasn't even clean yet. You don't have to be clean to take a bath, and you don't have to be clean to come to God. He yeah. wants you. You're his child. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the one son had forgiveness. The other son, he starts hearing this music and hearing this party. How many know the spirit of religion will kill you? Yeah. yeah. I have more of the inheritance. I'm in the church. I've done this. I've cleaned the bathrooms. I've done this. I get here earlier than anybody else. And now he gets the microphone. Come on. Come on. Come on. They said thank you to them. Did we? There was a couple of things I forgot to do. We'll get back to this. Did Nicole thank Brittany and Rachel for their involvement in Power and Love? Okay, so let's do that right now. I want to acknowledge, like, I'll tell you what, we, we were heavily involved in planning the Power and Love Conference that was held at the host site, Living Word, last week. Todd White, Bob Hazlett, Robbie Dawkins, a bunch of people were there. It was amazing. That, I think there was probably 2,000 people there for the night service on Saturday night. Brittany became Tom Rutolo's personal assistant. 
and worked her tail off the entire from Wednesday all the way through Saturday night at one or two in the morning. And and could you stand, Brittany? You just you're amazing. Now, now listen, I'm gonna tie this in. And then Rachel, she's my personal assistant, and, and she was running stuff to hotels. She was running stuff to, to do all kinds of things. So Rachel, could you stay? We just want to, she served and volunteered, did so much crazy stuff for Power and Love. It was amazing. So, so Brittany, you know, she's working her tail off. She's there, she's there, she's there. And she could be sitting there like the prodigal, prodigal brother saying, I'm, I'm here till 2 in the morning. You know, I didn't get paid for this. I haven't paid for my registration. And here I am working, and I'm in, you know, right? Or we could be like this on this end saying, well, how'd she get to be in the green room with the speakers? How'd she get to do that? Why? Because she was being. She was just being a daughter. She was being. And she didn't care that she was up till 2 in the morning. She didn't care. We could get jealous. We could have the strike. We could talk behind her back, right? But we don't. Why? And why we cheer her on and why we honor her and the praise and worship team that knocked it out of the park today. Why? Because we're a family. Yeah. We're a family. In true family, they celebrate with each other, even if they're not in the highlight. Right? So we, we have a connection to a long snapper for Seattle Seahawks. And, and that guy's name never gets announced on the PA. He never gets in the highlight reel. Right? Here you have the quarterback always, the, the receivers, the running backs, breaking these records, and they're in all the highlight films, the ESPN the next morning, right? Mm -hmm. But guess what, Clint Gresham, he has the same Super Bowl ring on that everybody else has on the team. He's only the long snapper. Yeah, come on. Why? Because it's family. Yeah. So the lineman that just blocks the guy and never gets his name announced on the, on the, on the, the big, what's the Tron thing called? Jumbotron, right? But yet, yet he still plays just a key role in the team. And the guy riding the bench gets the same ring that Russell Wilson gets. Come on. That's family. That's family. And we don't get jealous hearing the music from the outside. Let me finish this up. Man. The older brother, okay, he, when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house and asked the one servant what was going on. Your brother is back. He was told, he was, he was told, and your father has killed the fatted calf. We are celebrating because he has a safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. Listen, this was never a story about two boys that are feuding over each other. It was never a story about a guy going out too early and being impatient. That's how we've always heard this preach, right? It was never a story about a prodigal son taking his inheritance too early. The intention of the story was about a loving father who had mercy and grace yeah. and two boys that needed to learn how to be sons. Yeah. 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 But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all the time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast of my, with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, listen, right there tells you the condition of his heart. Mm -hmm. He didn't say my brother. Mm -hmm. This son of yours, he is so full of anger, bitterness, jealousy, envy. Listen, that will eat you alive personally in your heart, in your own family, in this church. It will eat you alive. Yeah. If we allow that stuff to creep in. But guess what? When you're a son and you know you belong in your father's house, you're going to be celebrating with the brother and you're going to be the one delivering the cake. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money, it's not ours. It's your money. 
listen, I'm, I'm painting a picture of what family really is. Family doesn't say that. I'm just in it for me. Family says we're in this together. Family says, I've got your back. Family says, I'll take a bullet for you even if it's from you. Yet when the son of yours comes back, he squanders your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the fattened cow. Now that's a big deal. That's like, hey, we've, we've saved this thing for a long time. We have raised this thing for a special occasion. This is the filet mignon. Okay? This is the real deal. This is a big deal. And you've done this. You didn't even give me a goat, but you're giving him the filet mignon. I've had goat. It's nasty. <laughs> he was upset about not even giving, getting goat. You can give me goat. I wouldn't eat it. It was tough and game. I had it in another country. It was a little different. His father said to him, look, dear son. Calls him son. He calls out his identity. Listen, this guy, this cat ain't acting like a son, is he? He's not acting like a son. He could have called him by name, but he says, look here, dear son. He's calling forth his identity even when he's not acting like it. That's what the father does. He says, listen here, dear son. You have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. Yep. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He decided to be adopted with the spirit of adoption, live by the spirit, yeah. not be overcome by the death of sin. Mm -hmm. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Could the musicians come? So listen, there's, there's crazy things that are going on in this story. First off, this prodigal brother represents the Pharisees. He represents the religious folk. Yeah. The religious folk that, that they can't even get past themselves. And they, can, they continue to critique everybody else. Come on. Here's the cool thing about the Father. Here's the cool thing about the Father's love. Here's the cool thing about sonship. We all start in the same place. Yeah. We all go through a different yeah. but we can all end in the same place. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much sin you got in. It doesn't matter how long you were there. It doesn't matter the junk that you were in. God loves you just the same as the person next to you. Yeah. Just the same as me. Listen, I have no more powerful Jesus or Holy Spirit living inside of me than you do in you. I pretty much refuse to go to bed if I didn't lead somebody to an encounter or to Jesus in a day. Why? Because I pursue it. I have no more power in me than the, than the God that lives in you. We go from a place of being. We do from a place of being. What we do doesn't make who we are. Who we are makes us do what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just finish this up. The older brother had more than the prodigal son. He actually had two-thirds of the inheritance. He had all the luxuries of the house. Listen, this, this ruler has painted a picture. He was rich. Mm -hmm. He had everything. And here at the end, he says, Listen, son, my dear son, my love, all you had to do is ask. It's all yours. It's all yours. We're family. I, I've got your back. But you know what some of us would rather do? Honestly, and I, I've been here. Some of us would rather just, just sit on the outside. Come on. Yes. I'm not laying that mulch. I'm too busy for that. Plus, if I do it, I'm not going to get a thank you. Pastor Aaron only thanks the people in his clique. Good morning. Good morning. Let me just be honest with you. I have no clique. I don't need one. I don't need you as my friend. I don't need you as my family. I'm a son. I want you. I love you. 
And I want you all to be in one click. It's called the family of God. But I'll just be really honest. I don't need you. So you can sit back like this. Because God, God doesn't need you. He wants you. You need God, but he doesn't need you. He wants you. He loves you. He loves you all the time. He, he's a good father. He's a good father. And I'm coming into the knowledge of this greater than I ever have in my life. All for one encounter through the night. Four or five hours through the night. Last week we prayed for encounters, we prayed for dreams, we prayed for the affection of the Father. How many received anything in that in any way this past week? Just raise your hand. Yeah. Come on, that's good. So how do you be a son? Just be. One got it through repentance. The one got it through scolding. I mean, honestly. So you could be an orphan outside the house, living on riotous living and harlots. Or you could be an orphan in the house, based on religion. And yeah. They're getting something I'm not getting. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing something I'm not doing. Well, do it. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. There's not people beating down our door to try to serve and help. But if you're going to be helping, we don't want you working out in the fields and then complaining about it every day and that you don't get your inheritance. Everything we have is yours. Why? Because it's not ours. Everything I have is yours. Why? Because it's not mine. You're not my people. You're God's people. He's entrusted me in a position, but that's the thing. We need to quit as churches, as church leaders. We need to quit controlling people and getting our eyes off of people. As believers, we need to quit it. You're not my people. I give an account to you for the best that I can, but, but here's the deal. You answer to God for yourself. Father, I love you. Could you stand with me? Is my wife in here? Okay. Here's what I want you to do. I want you, I want you to put your hand on your heart. I started just evaluating. Like last week, I had no idea what I was talking about. I, I couldn't explain it. I, I just honestly, could, I still can only explain part of it. But I know this. Something has happened inside of me. Something has happened inside of me that it's no longer just information. It's no longer a revelation. There's a transformation that's happened in the spirit realm. It's, it's no longer just here. Something, something's hitting here. And it's good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good to never be mad. It's so good to not carry anger. It's so good to not let unforgiveness fester in me and kill me. It's so good. It's so good to not let anybody, no matter what anybody says. Listen, there was tests this week. <laughs> there was lots of them. Nicole was getting all kinds of funny tests. I was getting all kinds of crazy stuff. There were tests this week to see if this is a real deal or if this is just another fad or another week. Seriously. Nicole and I, when things just start coming in, we just start laughing. We're like, that's so funny. <laughs> things are being accused of us. And, and like if this person or if a person would come to me directly, I, I would say, have you ever seen me do that ever? Have you ever seen me even talk like that? And I'm laughing about this because it's not even the, the accusations that were coming this week aren't even in my character. So if somebody would actually come to me directly and ask, it's impossible. 
you've never witnessed it, then I've never done it. It's not who I am. But guess what? Here's, here was the test. It didn't affect me. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter what you say about me. It doesn't matter what the Lord fire department says about me. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. I'm a son of a living God and he lives in me. And he's increasing in me every day. And it's amazing. And I'm telling you, you need to catch it here. You need to catch it here. Josh. Lord, I see so I, I see that bitterness just festers. How many know the snowball effect, man? It's crazy. All of a sudden you get one thought, it's a seed. Then all of a sudden it becomes planted and it's who you become. Who you behold or what you behold is what you're becoming. And if you're beholding unforgiveness, you're going to become unforgiveness. But I'm beholding a father. And I'm beholding a son. And I'm beholding a spirit. And I want to become just like my father. I want to become just like Jesus. And that's who I'm beholding. And that's who I want to become. Listen, if you're holding on to anything else other than Jesus, you're holding on to stuff that doesn't belong to you. You're a son. You're a daughter. It doesn't have to be that way. Listen, you don't have to go live out a riotous living and stand the world and build your testimony. You have a testimony. His name's Jesus. You don't have to work on something. You don't have to be a drug addict. You don't have to do this thing that's going to launch you to this ministry. Listen, that isn't how it works. It isn't how it works. And you also don't need to be in the house and be an orphan and thinking everybody else is getting something you're not getting and be bitter about it. And you hear this loud music and then, you know, like, honestly, you, you come into the church and like, how's everybody else happy? My husband and I, we just got into the major fight in the car and he cussed me out on the way here. It doesn't matter. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who are mourning. Just don't leave them there. Yeah. Alright. Okay, back, back to your chest. Sorry. I promise I'm done this time. I, I didn't go as long as last week. Okay. God, I just I thank you for the spirit of adoption. That's what we're praying for right now. We're just going to pray for the spirit of adoption. No words need to explain it. No thoughts need to capture it. God, we just receive it in our spirit. God, we pray and we ask right now. You withhold nothing for those who are asking. We will receive for those who ask. So we receive right now the spirit of adoption. We receive your love. We receive your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness. We refuse to live in bitterness anymore. We refuse not to go directly to the Father anymore. We refuse to let things fester. We are family, and we are your family of a living God. God, you live inside of us. So we just pray for increased measures of unforgiveness, increased measures of, of known for bitterness or, or jealousy or strife or envy, God. God, that does not exist in heaven or heir as children to your throne. Papa, we love you. Daddy, we love you right now. We will not be the son in, in the prodigal living. We will not be the son with unforgiveness in the house. God, where all you have is ours. And right now, God, with all that we have, it's yours. We say abide in us and we'll abide in you. And we'll bear much fruit. Fruit that will last. Here's what I want you to do. How many receive the spirit of adoption? You're little boys and little girls with a great big daddy. I want you to lay the hand on the person next to you. And I want you to do this. We used to do this at encounters. I want you to ask for forgiveness. I want you to stand in the gap. And I want you, just everybody partner up. I want you to stand in the gap and I want you to ask the person next to you to forgive you for anything anybody's done to them. Anything they're holding on to. Listen, you do not have to live here, leave here with unforgiveness. You do not have to leave here with a hurt, an odd, 
jealousy, striving, that you don't have to leave here with it. Listen, it's not us. We just give it up to God right now. We're children of a living God. So I want you to stand in the gap and say, I want to ask for forgiveness on anybody that's ever hurt you. Any religious system, any leader, any boss, any family member, any friend, any pastor that has ever hurt you. Will you forgive me? And I want you to trade it to the next person. And we're going to let them stand in the gap and we're going to let them, we're going to let God just take that unforgiveness and take that bitterness and take it and just crush it under his feet. Alright, so just do that for a minute.